0: Grain-maker. Hey! Hey! welcome everyone to the Grainmaker maker wrestling podcast a Prairie proud wrestling podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide my name is Blair Pacheco it is ridiculously early because Like usual, whenever I do a review episode, I have terrible time management skills, so I'm recording this at 4.30 in the morning, 4.30 Thursday morning, just so I don't have to do it Thursday evening. So I woke up a little bit earlier. After this, I'll hit the gym and all that regular stuff, but bringing you this week's episode of the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, so more quality content. You know I'm putting in that work, putting in the hours, so we'll have a little fun with it today. Uh, Before we get to today's episode, just going to do a little bit of a Winnipeg wrap up of all the all the great stuff that's going on, because man, is there a lot. So, I mean, first off, um, CWE announced two more local shows for Winnipeg. You've got July 29th at Rookies, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's Rookies um yeah friday july 29th i'm punching up the facebook event right here we'll see how fast my internet connection is uh friday july 29th Add rookies it's a lethal lottery so that's a lot of fun uh the matches are random draw picked by fans so go down there have a great time and they're also back on august 14th that's a friday as well and that one if i'm not mistaken i think that's at the uh Holy Eucharist, whatever it is, the uh, the church location. I'm 95% sure that's what it is. My alarm's going off because this is when I'm actually supposed to be getting up. So this is a... You're getting all this live content right here right in your uh right in your earbuds so yeah july 14th in winnipeg there's a few other uh, manitoba dates as well you got dauphin on the 12th oak lake on the 13th so cwe doing their doing their rounds they're heading out west in july so definitely check them out if uh, if uh, they're coming to your town also announced was uh time bomb pro wrestling making their winnipeg return now, if you missed out on tickets, you're SOL currently because uh, only a few tickets were released, and I th- if I'm not mistaken, those are already sold out. So keep your eyes peeled, and maybe, maybe Eric will have a few more for uh, for want- fans wanting to go check it out. But uh, you might be, uh, like I said, you might be SOL. But uh, they're here. They're coming back July 23rd at the Handsome Daughter. On the card, you're going to see Tyler Colton Damon Spriggle, Stefan Richard. So there's three announced right there. I think uh I think there's a few bands on the lineup too. So uh yeah, July 23rd at the Handsome Daughter. It's going to be a fucking blast. I um sadly won't be there. I will be in Alberta at the time, but I know uh from going to a show Time Bomb definitely delivers. I'll be heading down to their Grand Forks one, July 7th. So if you uh if you can make the winnipeg show july 23rd then you know what rent a rent a room drive down to fargo for the weekend and uh august 4th at uh, in fargo a sanctuary event center grab tickets for that one you know what you're gonna see dominic greeny versus brian keith that match will be an absolute banger brian keith has been on a just a destruction path he's been ripping it up down there and uh, his last match with kevin Koo for time bomb great one of the best local matches i've ever seen so grab tickets for that one if you uh can make the winnipeg one and you won't be disappointed you can go down to fargo grab some buffalo wild wings maybe some jimmy johns go to target and uh then go see time bomb pro wrestling and have a great time down there now one more big one for winnipeg this this is the huge deal the huge mother effing deal as uh Some of the kids might say. August eighteenth, mark that down now. It's a Thursday. Three D Pro Wrestling presents mass appeal. It's at the Osborne Legion again. The first three D pro show absolutely whipped. And I'm not just saying that because your boy is uh helping out, you know, like it was a great time. The crowd loved it. Crowd was huge into it all night long. Now, there's gonna be even more, you know, more announced, but so far Just off the poster, you're having Robbie Royce, ATM, Stefan Richards back, Napoloni Diabel, O'Shea Edwards, and Heavy Metal from Alberta. Now, Heavy Metal is one of the top wrestlers in Canada. He's been ripping it up out there. He's doing his thing with top talent um, out in Alberta, so make sure you grab tickets. They're going to be released this week. It should be up online, Eventbrite, if I'm not mistaken, and there will be some physical tickets. So, uh, I'll have a a couple physical ones. Let me know if you want some, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure you grab one. So definitely stay tuned for more with uh, 3d pro wrestling because they are really doing something special and you know what? It's so much fun to help be a part of that. So just stay tuned for that. Also, if you are in Winnipeg, make sure you head down to first row collectibles. Um, they just opened up a new location on Main Street. It's uh I'm punching up the thing right here because that's uh that's how we run things. I was able to go down there yesterday, got to check out the store, talk to uh, talk to Curtis a little bit and it is a, a nice little store. They got 1835 Main Street. It's right across from the uh like the Tim Hortons and stuff on uh North Main. Right before Lila. So, uh they've got cards there they've got autographs tons of old wrestling magazines which is really cool to flip through um there's a few that i had my eye on that i want to grab they've got some really cool retro collectibles um some newer figures and action figures stuff like that so some of the autographs up on the wall are absolutely incredible so make your way down there curtis is doing some great things with that and uh yeah just go check it out buy some stuff and uh be able to talk wrestling. You know, it was a lot of fun just, uh, shooting the shit with Curtis yesterday. So they're doing something really great with first row there. Go down there, check it out, support a local business and, uh, just have some fun. So that's the, uh, that's the little local Winnipeg wrap up of all the, uh, all the fun stuff going on. And took a little bit longer than i imagined but there's a lot going on there's also a primo show july 23rd i don't have tons of information on that but uh up on their facebook the event page check it out and you'll uh, you'll get everything you need up on there this week though due to a little bit of uh time management on my part um i decided you know what we are going to do a review episode i was taking a look what to do um there was someone suggesting great American bash 92, which I'm going to do because uh, the card actually looks a lot of fun. I punched up my network subscription still had it. So I was just perusing around and uh, thought, you know what? I'm going to review WWE raw from July. Oh, what's the date? July 5th, 2004. That was their Winnipeg return to, uh, you know, televised wrestling. They were here in 95 for the, in your house, Took a bit of a break, never really, didn't really come back, just doing the house shows and stuff, and then came back with a fury for the July 5th Raw, July 8th Smackdown. So instead of doing both today, uh, I'm going to do July 5th here. I'm going to do the Smackdown one in a few weeks because I think that I'll need something when I'm gone in Alberta. I'm trying to line up a few interviews right now, not sure how many I'll have before then. So... I think we'll do SmackDown in a few weeks' time, but today we're going to talk about Raw. I was actually able to go to this show. Um, I had gone to a few, quite a few house shows in the late 90s when they were coming because, I mean, that was, you know, it was really hot back in the late 90s, early 2000s. I remember seeing Jericho's uh, in-ring debut here. It was a nightstick on a pole match, I think, against the boss man. Rock couldn't make it, so they had to come up with a new main event. That's what it was, so Jericho's in-ring debut for WWE. Uh, I remember seeing Edge, one of his first moments coming through the crowd, and he just laid a shoulder into my buddy as uh, he got in his way. (laughs) So um, when they made their return to TV in Winnipeg, I originally did have tickets through work at the time I was working for a channel also known as city TV and they had free tickets. So I remember being able to go to those, get those and go. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, I was still was paying attention to still watching regularly. I'd watch raw all the time. SmackDown. I wasn't huge into, but we'll talk about that later on. Um, so I still kept up with you know what was going on, still watching raw. i Vaguely remember the pay per views at the time, but it's been almost twenty years, so you're bound to forget some. But uh, yeah, with the with Raw, I w- I was into it. You know, like I was a huge Jericho fan at the time. Uh, I remember enjoying Chris Benoit. Those were the two main ones on Raw. Looking back, it's surprising that I was more into Raw, considering what I like now. Like SmackDown definitely had. More of what I liked, but I guess it was the easier access to raw at the time being on a Monday night Fridays. I was still going out partying, living, living my best life. So, but the show kicks off and, uh, the intro music, like back when raw had their, you know, I think, uh, at the time it was union underground across the nation. That was the main theme. I I remember the late nineties one, the thorn in your eye being very into that. And like, so into, like, I remember going to look for the band CD and coming up hopeless. And like, it was just one of those things. That was the kind of thing I was into back then was like, you know, having very, um, not random, but like maybe eclectic. Uh, music mixes so that would have been something i was huge into and i remember going to look for it so that's right up there with uh going to music world one time and having hearing someone looking for the k quick album because you know k quick was rapping and the guy wanted some k quick in his earbuds but um yeah the thorn in your eye whips so much harder than the union underground one but hey what can you do I am also was really into the Nickelback when they uh, when they had their stint as theme music for WWE. Um, the show kicks off. Basically, the show kicks off with the music, musical chair segment. I think if you're a Winnipeg wrestling fan, you're familiar with this. If not, I'm going to try to find a video clip and I'll attach it to this if I remember. Um, Eric Bischoff's the GM at the time. He's not there. He, he was in Winnipeg because he was on... A channel's uh, big breakfast the morning of or the day before. So he was in town, but the storyline, he's not there. Eugene, his nephew is going to be running the show, uh, making all the matches, having fun with it. So he comes out and announces there's going to be a musical chairs, uh, match. And the winner of that is going to get a title shot later tonight. Uh, so in the ring already, you had, uh, Stacy Keebler coach Lawler, Tyson Tomko, Rick Flair, and uh, out came Chris Jericho, and of course Chris Jericho gets the biggest pop. Why wouldn't he? You know, making his you know a Winnipeg return, having fun with it. So, um, the one thing that I noticed because I'm like keeping my eyes peeled in the crowd was there was a La sombra for WWE signs. So, you know, local Winnipeg wrestlers getting their uh, getting their respect on the on the signs there. Now, I mean, this was for all intents and purposes just a comedy comedy bit. Um, it started off where everyone just sort of like had wasn't taking it serious until the music stops. A couple couple wrestlers grab their seats, and then it's an all out melee for it. Um, Tajiri doesn't get his; blows green mist into coach's face. That plays into coach getting eliminated. Talk about like. A few weeks back, I was rewatching uh, some ECW, and it was a Tajiri versus uh, Psychosis versus Little Guido match. Mikey Whiprick also showed up, and like you, you watch Tajiri in those matches, and then you see what he was like ending up doing in WWE, and it's just heartbreaking because I mean, he's such an incredibly talented wrestler. I think he's still wrestling too. He did some stuff with MLW last year and he's wrestling over in Japan too. So, but you watch that and it's just like, man, they had such an incredible talent and he's being used in a musical chair segment, but he did have a little run with Eddie Guerrero as tag champs too. I think on the SmackDown side, um, You had King, Jerry, King Lawler, Ric Flair up to their antics, you know. Um, It is what it is. It's Jerry Lawler, and unfortunately that crap is still around. So, yeah, Uh, they both get out. The end, it comes with uh, Jericho and Tomko are the last two music cuts. Before Tomko can sit down, Jericho grabs a chair, beats him up with it, you know, gives him a a shot to the stomach, shot to the back, back shot, um, just sits down on the chair, wins, gets a title shot later. I think everyone was expecting a world title match. Uh, they announced it as an IC title match. So he was going to be facing Randy Orton later on the show, which, uh, not the same, you know, same marquee value as the world title match, but Hey, still fun. But still, uh, still Jericho getting a chance to shine. After that, we had La resistance, versus Rhino and Val Venus. They showed a clip from the week before, and I guess Rhino's tag partner that week was Sergeant Slaughter, which actually got me just thinking about other times older veterans made their return, like, just for one-offs and stuff. And it reminded me of, like, I think it was 2012 when Heath Slater was facing off with all the legends, and you'd have him versus, like, Vader. And I want to say Sid was there, too. So, like, a different legend would come out every week and just beat the crap out of him. So, that that's what I was forced to go look up afterwards, just for the randomness of it. So, yeah, La Resistance versus Rhino-Valvinus. Um, Resistance consisting of Sylvain Grenier, Sylvain Grenier and uh, Robert Conway. I loved how they... Did the French pronunciation of Robert I think it just adds something considering Conway's from like the Midwest so just having fun with it he's a he's a French sympathizer a, a Quebec sympathizer so um, Rene Dupree was also a part of the resistance after doing a little bit of research but at the time he was already moved over to Smackdown so him and Fifi were tearing it up over on Smackdown Fifi the dog Um. There really wasn't a whole lot to this. This was your very typical early 2000s Raw match. Um, Le Resistance, they they were the tag champs at the time. Rocking one of my favorite tag title designs. That and the uh, WWE title at the time. The black strapped with the... It was right after the big gold... Yeah, it was... Uh, Because WWF and WCW merged. They brought over the world title. And WWF at the time had the bigger WWF title. So it was right after that one. The one that Brock had as Undisputed Champ. So um, They were the tag champs at the time. They won with... It was sort of like a Magic Killer-esque version of the Magic Killer. Except I think they flipped a different way. Which was actually a really cool finish. And something you didn't really see a lot of back then. I think it stands out more now. So they ended up getting the win with that, leading to their pay-per-view match coming up. I think the following week. So, backstage you had Evolution walking around looking for Eugene. Just some uh, just some backstage shenanigans. They see a bouncy castle in the. I, I'm gonna say this is like the autograph alley where everyone used to go down for Jets games to get autographs from the opposing team. Where I was lucky enough to go walk Joe Sackick to his bus and get a autograph back in 1996 when I was a huge Colorado avalanche fan. Um, so that's where I'm assuming the bouncy castle was. And when I was talking to Curtis yesterday, we both brought this up because I told him the episode and the thing that stood out was the bouncy castle. So, um, Eugene's down there. It's basically just setting up some future matches. Kane versus Batista, uh, on, on the raw episode. And at the pay-per-view, it was going to be La Resistance versus Ric Flair and a partner of Eugene's choosing. And it ended up being Eugene for the tag title. So they were going to have a little bit of fun with them. After that, we had a Triple H promo. And I'm watching this promo. I figured when Triple H was coming out, he was the world champion at the time. And I drew a complete blank of who it was. I couldn't think of... I couldn't think because, I mean, Brock wasn't around. Um... Austin and Rock are both gone. And then it's like, oh, this is 2004. He starts his promo and Chris Benoit was champion at the time. And I could not for the life of me come up with that. I had completely forgot about Benoit's world title reign. So, uh, it's basically just hyping up their match, talking about what a miracle it is that Benoit is champion. He's got a title match against Benoit Vengeance Day, which Vengeance or Vengeance Day, which is the following week. So it's basically just hyping up that. I was never a huge Triple H guy. Like when he was upper mid-card DX, I was into, but as soon as he made that like leap to the main event scene, I could not get into him at all. Just, I couldn't. I know he had some great matches, some great feuds, but for me, I had just completely checked out. Uh, After or midway through the promo, out came Edge. And I was surprised. I always thought Edge was on SmackDown at the time, but he was a Raw wrestler. So he comes out, and the one thing I gathered from this was how poor of a promo Edge was at the time. Like, it was not good. I'm sure he's gotten better since then, but not really being huge into him. I shouldn't say that. Tag Edge, I was into. Um, Upper mid-card Edge. Yeah, but sort of like the same thing as Triple H. When Edge had his big main event run, I wasn't a huge fan, so I didn't get to see a lot of it. So to me, he's always just been like the upper mid-card tag title guy. I know people love Edge. Uh, they talk about the Edge scene a feud. Edge's world title runs his matches with Undertaker. But for me, that's all like never. I haven't. I've seen very little of it. So I did go look back because watching Edge and Triple H in the ring together, it made me wonder like, how many matches those two had. And I think they only had one or two singles matches, Great American Bash in 08, and I think they had a couple Triple Threat matches. But for the most part, they never had a huge feud, which is surprising considering they were both at the top of the WWE food chain for so long. So they have their little promo. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, a brawl with Evolution. They had come out. All the, This is going on, and I'm just thinking because I know Edge had, like before this, he had a history with Winnipeg wrestling here as, I think it was Sexton Hardcastle, um, doing the Tony Condello death tours, wrestling for Tony Condello here. Uh, I think it was IWA at the time. Him and Christian were doing matches here. So that's what I was kind of thinking when all this was going on. I'm kind of missed what happened, but during my refresh watch, because I did not remember a lot of this from when it originally happened. Let me just turn the page here. It's like story time with Blair Pacheco. After that, we had Kane versus Batista. And I mean, talk like, like I said before, it's surprising that I was as into raw as I was because I'm not a Kane fan. I wasn't huge into Batista. I think I'm watching I was watching more week to week just to see something special happen, sort of like most fans were doing with Raw in like the late 2010s, you know. That was why I was watching like, oh, maybe someone's going to show up or have some fun cuz man, when Shane McMahon made that return in like 2016 on Raw, like I was going nuts, like texting friends and just like wide-eyed. So I think that was one of the key things of why I kept watching Raw. You're still watching just in case something big happened. And same with at the time, you know, maybe like an old ECW guy will show up or a WCW guy. So, uh, Kane came out and I, it was the Finger Eleven version of his theme, if I'm not mistaken. Unmasked Kane, I was could never get into. I mean, even Masked Kane, I was more a fan of, but unmasked, couldn't buy into it. And now current Kane is just a shithead. So I have no use for him or what he's promoting down in Tennessee. So, um, Batista, however, a uh, short story back in 2013, I think it was, uh, went to a house show. The main event was Kane versus Daniel Bryan in a cage match on the card was Batista. He had just made his return to, WWE doing the short little stint going into WrestleMania and I can't remember if this was before or after he's there and I remember he's wrestling at show in Winnipeg and there was a radio DJ from Power 97 in the front row and this made national news um, because the radio DJ was just yapping at Batista And I think he lunged at him or he threw a drink or something to like, I think he put his hands on Batista. And as soon as he did that, like Batista just rocked him. Um, It was only a shove, but the guy went flying and then they're going back and forth. The guy ended up getting, he lost his job because he was an idiot who couldn't control his liquors. So I will flat out say it like, don't put your hands on the wrestlers. It's that simple. So he got shoved, he lost his job, and he was made a fool. So I was like a... Uh, I could see everything. I was like, they were on like the north side, I was on the west side. And I was in the same row and everything. So you could see everything perfectly, and you're watching this, and you're just like, man. So dude got kicked out, lost his job, and there you go. So I'm not sure what happened to him. Um, Yeah, both these guys, it was... More fun telling the story about what happened than this match was Uh, because not a fan of either of these two, Uh, Matt Hardy, who was feuding at Kane at the time he came out, caused the DQ and uh, yeah, Kane ended up getting the win because he attacked Kane. So there was a backstage interview with Matt Hardy and it's just hyping up the feud. And I guess the storyline at the time was who was the father of Lita's baby Matt or Kane so that was the general thing with all of this I vaguely vaguely remember this feud Um, I remember Snitsky punting the baby the fake baby more than anything that's what stands out to me so just some classic some really great WWE storylines uh, there was a promo for the Diva Search and this was like a 5 minute thing the only thing that stood out was I noticed Christy Hemi was in there, so I'm assuming that was the one she won. I mean, she was only there for... She had a cup of coffee with the WWE. I think she's more known for her stuff with TNA, ring announcing, and managing there. Um, After that, we got Jericho versus Randy Orton for the IC title. And uh, they showed a clip. Jericho actually... He got the order of the Buffalo Hunt earlier that day. Uh, I was meaning to Google other people who have won that, but I lost track of time because that's what I do with these and didn't get to that but um what was what's notice notable is like even then like the reinvention of Jericho because he was a different version he was still different than when he first showed up you know and throughout the years the differences with Jericho like when he was you know Jericho or you know going from the long pants to the trunks the Alpha Club, the Painmaker, the, you know, what was he, Le Champion in AEW, and now to the Jericho Appreciation Society, him being a wizard. So the the ability to keep fresh, it really puts him on that upper echelon of, like, top-tier wrestlers, you know? Like, I, I don't know if I would ever put him on, like, a Mount Rushmore of, like, you know, prolific or wrestlers or anything like that but he he definitely makes a strong case for it that you could put him on there with his match quality his promo ability his uh, you know ability to reinvent himself and stay relevant for we're going on over 40 years that he's been you know of you know making a name for himself in wrestling so um there was a uh, one spot where Jericho was knocked off the ropes by a huge dropkick by Orton. Um, Running in Siguri in this match. This was a fun little match. I mean, this definitely stood out a lot more than the tag title match. And, I mean, Jericho and Orton are both pros. Orton had only been in in for a few years. So, I mean, he was still the plucky young upstart, not the the grizzled veteran that he is now. And I think everything would, uh, everyone at the, Raw show thought Jericho was going to win this. And I mean, even you're watching, and like 23 year old me at the time is watching this thinking, like, yeah, Jericho's going to win. Who cares if they have a pay per view in five days? They're going to rewrite the entire IC title card or IC title picture and they'll do Edge Jericho. Like, what are you thinking, Blair? There's no way WWE is one going to let the local talent, local wrestler win in their hometown. And two, they are not going to change a pay-per-view card to just for the hell of it. So I don't know what I was thinking, but um, Orton ends up getting the win, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember how, but uh, yeah, he Orton wins, no surprise, Orton versus Edge at the pay-per-view. After that, Eugene and Triple H are in the bouncy castle, and uh, Eugene makes a match for later that night it's going to be Chris Benoit and edge Chris Benoit the world champ at the time news to me against Ric Flair triple H and Eugene um, after that we had a triple threat contract on a pole match now where in the Vince Russo did this come from uh, Molly Holly Nydia and Victoria are in the match and yeah it was something it definitely was a early two thousands WWF women's match. At the time, Trish Stratus was women's champ, rocking the one of the best versions of the women's championship belt. So Tyson Tomko, I guess, is her muscle at the time. Um, Molly Holly's got her shaved head because she had just lost the hair match a few months earlier. So she's rocking a wig with a strap on it. Um, there was a couple couple you know spots in here but they were it was a very blah match for the most part um nydia ends up getting the win if you don't remember nydia she was one of the original uh tough enough winners her and maven so i think she was more known for when she was partnered up with jamie noble than anything so she gets the win Afterwards, Trish Stratus comes down. She's got her arm in a cast. The winner of the contract gets a future championship match, so Trish grabs the mic, basically says, hey, guess what, you're getting your match right now, and clocks her with the cast. So she's out, tells the ref to ring the bell, gets the one, two, three, and that was, yeah, that was it. So it was very thrown together. Uh, Backstage, we had a Trish and Lita segment with um, basically Trish slut shaming Lisa, uh, Lita, not Lisa. Um, It's surprising. I shouldn't say it's surprising, but you hear some of the stuff that they say, and none of it was edited out on the network, where, you know, a lot of that can be, it can be some hateful stuff that, hateful, disrespectful stuff that they talk about on there. It's surprising that it's still on there. Um, After that, it's a Eugene promo, and it's basically. Eugene Triple H promo and it's basically just Triple H manipulating Eugene and man they had some questionable storylines in WWE between this and like the Triple H Kane Katie Vick bullshit like what the hell like how did they think that this is entertaining stuff and like we're just watching it being like oh this is great like I it kind of irks me that I was into it as i was looking back at it because it's it's not good like flat out you know just like a lot of the attitude era stuff there's some great moments some great matches but for the most part a lot of it is not good stuff um we wrap up with the main event and it's a handicap match evolution and eugene versus edge and chris benoit we got that absolute banger of a chris benoit theme the our lady Peace one so you know you're getting your canadian content with the music they uh I can't remember if this was on the forcible entry album or what, but back then they had a lot of bands doing wrestler themes and it was, uh, it was kind of nice. You know, you're getting the different version of the theme, but like an actual band doing it. And a couple of years back, I remember grabbing the WWF aggression CD, which was all the hip hop artists and rappers doing the themes. See murder doing the Gangrel theme. Absolutely whips. You had run DMC doing the, DX theme. Method Man doing the Rocks theme, if I'm not mistaken. Who else was there? Mmm I can't remember. I know Old Dirty Bastard was on there. Um Snoop Dogg was on there. Snoop Dogg and Dub C did Steve Austin. So you had tons of these hip hop artists doing wrestling themes, and it was great. Ice-T did the Godfather's theme because at WrestleMania 15, Ice-T actually sang or wrapped him to the ring. I have, like I said, zero recollection of Singles Edge. I thought at the time he was still doing tag stuff on SmackDown. So this was news to me. Uh, the majority of the match was actually just working over Benoit. He gets the hot tag, Edge's in like a house of fire. Um, then they worked over... Edge for a while, but he hit a huge insegurie. I guess at the time, like insiguries were like the big move in WWF because everyone's just locking them in. Benoit gets a sharpshooter on Triple H. The crowd is absolutely going nuts for this. You know, I mean, you had Benoit from Edmonton, loved in Canada. He's honoring Bret Hart by doing a sharpshooter in Winnipeg. Of course, the crowd's going to go apeshit for it. So the end comes, the referee's out. Benoit has the sharpshooter on Triple H. Eugene grabs a chair, whacks uh, Benoit with it. Triple H hits the pettery gets the win. Going into the pay-per-view, Triple H has the upper hand, you know. So I remembered very little of this card besides the musical chairs. And, I mean, for a good right, I mean, or a good reason, because there was not a whole lot going on with this card. Not a lot stood out. The Jericho match was was good. Uh, But besides that, there wasn't much to it. I mean, I think I reviewed like four matches or five matches. How is that possible on a two-hour show? The women's match was in like the prime AEW spot where it's like right before the main event. So, yeah, it was good. I mean, I went to the Raw. I remember getting offered tickets for SmackDown, didn't take them. And uh, I kind of regret that now, definitely at the time. But let me tell you, I rewatched SmackDown as well. And there was a fun little Mark Jindrak Rob Van Dam match that I'm very excited to talk about in the next couple weeks, but we'll save that for later on. So yeah, this was the Raw July 5th, 2004. If you want to punch it up on the network, give it a rewatch and see what uh, see what I was uh, able to enjoy for a round dose. So thanks for checking out the podcast. I truly appreciate it. I know it's just a review episode, but I appreciate you taking time out of your day just to just to listen to me talk about wrestling so thank you so much for that um if it's your first time listening you can find me up on twitter at grainmaker pod uh, that's where i'm most active so uh, you can find me up on there we can talk wrestling up uh email graymakerpodcast at gmail.com you can send me an email with questions comments concerns let me know if there is uh, a guest you want on or something to talk about anything like that maybe one day i'll do a mailbag episode probably not because i'll get like two questions so um it'd be a lot of filler on my end so that's email twitter up on most podcast uh streaming platforms apple google spotify so you can find me up on there if you want to rate and all that stuff, that'd be great. You know, um, Facebook grain maker, wrestling podcast, find me up on there. It's usually just matches or promoting the podcast, promoting local shows, stuff like that. T-shirts. I have them locally. If you would like one, I would love to get you one. They're only 25 bucks a piece. Uh, half of the profits is going to be donated to a local nonprofit and, uh, yeah, they're great looking t-shirts. So if you're in Winnipeg, I can hand deliver it to you. Just let me know. If you're in Manitoba or Canada, send me a message and I will figure out shipping and all that. It's not, not terrible. And I'll get you a shirt. They're only 25 bucks a piece. Look fashionable, look great. And uh, help a good cause. If you're not in Canada and want to grab a shirt, you can go to whatamaneuver.net, grab a shirt off of there, 25 bucks a piece. You can chain, you know, different styles of shirt and all that so you can get one up off of there, but they're shipping. There is exchange and all that, or else I would say for Canadian listeners to also go that route, but yeah, I got them done up locally. I'll, I'll get you a shirt. So that's uh that's the socials. That's the t-shirts. Um, yeah, you know what? Hopefully everyone has a great weekend. Uh, there's tons of wrestling shows coming up. Make sure you grab tickets for that. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.